Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hour is here. Monday edition. Outkick 360 rolls on. We've been recapping Super Bowl 57. Chiefs prevail. They win again. They hoist the Lombardi Trophy 38-35 over Philadelphia. We gave our thoughts a bit on the Super Bowl halftime show. Now we break down the ad space from last night. Price tag only goes up, Chad. Uh, we have I, high expectations as consumers of the Super Bowl. I find myself, this is going to sound antithetical to everything that a sports talk host should be about, mm -hmm. but I find myself, if I need to run to get a snack or go to the bathroom, uh, I don't do it during the commercials. I will do it when I feel like I can miss one play and rewind and see something if big okay. happens. I do it during the game because I want to sit and watch every commercial and critique them. So... A little bit different for a sports guy that way, but I will get up during the game and not the commercials. Chances are our next guest does the same thing. Lee Carter joins us. She's the president and partner of Mislansky and Partners. Lee, thank you for the time. Hope you're well. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I know you've, you've been on Fox recapping your thoughts on last night's Super Bowl uh, commercial uh, reaction. And with the polling that goes on with your company, what have you found out? What's been the theme overall of the reaction to them? Well, I think that the the one that really stood out to a lot of folks was the Dunkin' Donuts commercial with Ben Affleck and J-Lo. That was one that really leaned into Ben Affleck's well-known love of Boston and Dunkin' Donuts, and I think was memorable for not only their moment, I thought it was hilarious, but also because it was a really great connection with the brand, and I think that is what you really ultimately want to have happen. Um, there were a couple other standouts as well that might not be getting as much attention, but I think we're really, really smart from an advertising perspective. From uh, also from an advertising perspective, uh, the surprising company or companies that paid the seven million for thirty seconds for the Super Bowl ad. I'll bring up one that I thought their ad hit well was uh, Popcorners uh, with the Breaking yeah. Bad themed ad. I had no clue what Popcorners were. I don't know if it's owned by a bigger company or not, but now I know what that is based on them tying in one of the best shows all time. And one of my favorite yeah, shows. Is there another one that comes to mind with, with those? Well, you know, I think that one of the, the 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 real standout moments was with the Google Pixel. Now, that's not a small unknown company, but the Google Pixel is is a phone that doesn't get a whole lot of attention, right? Everybody has iPhones. They have a huge amount of market share. Google Pixel has been out there for a long time. Um, and what they did was really smart. They framed the whole commercial around not the camera, but rather on its editing capabilities, the ability to edit out individuals perhaps that you'd rather not have had a picture with or mistakes in photos and that sort of thing. I thought it was really smart. Well done with Amy Schumer. Very, very funny. But I think memorable in that it was very, very smart product marketing, not just great marketing marketing where you get a lot of attention or buzz around the advertisement. I think that product is going to get a lot more attention as a result of that ad. It's all about celebrities in Super Bowl commercials, uh, in large part. You kind of, the memorable celebrity drop in jumps out the most. But when almost every commercial has a celebrity tie in, it can kind of run together. But two of them in a theme that did not run together for me that I thought really worked, and I want to get your opinion on, uh, was the Pepsi spots with Ben Stiller 
and with Steve Martin and the tie-in about what acting is and then them you know, ending it with the mystery of, do I really like it or am I just acting? I thought was self-deprecating and funny on Pepsi's part. What did you think? I thought it was so smart because not only was the ad great entertainment, really fun to watch, it answered the question we all have is, does it taste good? A lot of people say that Pepsi is a challenger brand, not as sure if it's going to taste well. So their language in that by saying, is it great acting or is it great taste? Sort of challenge us all to want to taste it. Um, really, they also did some great social extensions on that. They took over Twitter. They did a lot of other other uh, outreach in, in the, and they, they carried it beyond just the commercial, which I think was smart. But hilarious. And also, uh, you do remember it and you do remember the product. And that's really, really important uh, to all of this as well, because you're going to remember a lot of advertisements over the years, but you're going to have no idea what the company was for. Lee Carter joins us on Outkick 360. How long do you think the average ad takes to recoup what the company spent on it? Oh, good night. I think a lot of them don't ever recoup. If you think about some of the, the recent years of advertising, we had crypto uh, one year took over the Super Bowl. I'm not sure how they're doing right now. Uh, we had a lot of dot-coms in the, in the past. So I'm not sure that every advertisement gets its money back. The, the magic formula is getting the message right and getting the pot product to be memorable. And that's not always the case. We hear a lot of people talking about the Bradley Cooper ad, not about the T-Mobile ad. You hear a lot of people talking about the Clueless ad, not what that ad was for. The ads that are the best are the ones that you remember what that product was for, and they're very few and far between. So while we might have been entertained and say, wasn't that a great ad? I remember years ago, there was one about cat herding, which I still reference, but I have no idea what it was for. Yes. Uh, Lee, and the other feedback, or at least the discussion, is the he gets us ads. Hashtag he gets us. What have you heard personally in your feedback since last night? Because you mentioned the, the, the memorable aspect of an ad. Uh, if you loved it, if you hated it, people are tweeting about it. There's no question about it. They're getting tons of attention. And they also have done a really smart extension. They have a Bible study on the Bible app. But I did test that ad last night. And when I first heard about it, I thought, what on earth are they going to be able to do? And how are they going to break through and resonate? That, especially the ad that was in the first half, which was about uh, being childlike and, and really coming together and not being divisive, was so smart. It was attention grab and the visuals, the visuals got people really, really engaged. It was very disruptive. It went head on with one of the big misperceptions I think evangelicals have right now is that they're very dis divisive and exclusionary into saying like, no, that's not what Christianity is about. From what I tested, and I did test this last night, a lot of folks ended up going and saying, who did this and what was it all about? So a lot of people went online, checked out who, who was behind it, checked out what the message was and learned more. And that is a really tough thing to do in the middle of a Super Bowl when most people are doing more than just watching the ads. They're also eating the food. They're talking to friends. They're at parties or bars or other places. So the fact that this one got that much attention is really, really amazing, especially given the topic and, and how challenging that that is in 30 seconds to get someone to think, oh my gosh, I want to learn more about Jesus. From your testing, who did the worst connecting their product to the ad where it was hard to figure out what was being advertised? Well, you know, I think there were a few ads that weren't terrible ads by any stretch, but they weren't connected. I heard a lot of people say, I love the clueless ad. I don't remember who it was. I did, I did some associations with testing. So who did this ad? And most people didn't remember who did the clueless ad. On the other hand, the Doritos ad uh, with about talking about the, the triangle really did associate well. So there were some mixed uh, bags there. I was really surprised. I thought that the T-Mobile ad with Bradley Cooper was hilarious. I thought it was well done. 
the thing that was not memorable is everybody said, oh, I love Bradley Cooper. His mom should get her own show, but nothing about T-Mobile. And I think that's a problem there. When you look at um, just the direction of the ads, I feel like from 2016, probably through COVID, it got real serious. Every ad was a tearjerker. Every ad had a political message of, of some sort. It was all, they were all trying to get very focused on whatever the news of the day was. We've gone away from that, I feel like, in the last couple of years. I can't remember the heartstrings being tugged at as much last night. It's a lot more about comedy uh, with many yeah. of these ads. Do you think I that think connects better with audiences? I do. I think we're ready to move on. Um, I think for a couple of reasons. One, obviously we went through a lot with COVID and all of that, but the politicized nature of America has really gotten people tired. And while there was a moment where, co- where individuals really wanted companies to take political stances, that sort of passed. Less than half of Americans want companies to take a stand right now. There's a poll just released in the last couple of days uh, that says, you know, only 48% of people want want companies to get political or get involved in political issues. And that's in large part driven by Democrats. 75% of them say they want companies to get involved while only 18% of Republicans do and less than 40% of independents. So I think what we're seeing right now is this moment where we want to hear companies be companies, do what they do really well, make us laugh when we want to laugh and get away from more of the serious topics, especially in the right moments. And the Super Bowl is not the moment to make a political stand for most people. They want to enjoy, let go, get back to living. There's been plenty of companies that have tried to take a big swing and they've missed when they take that big swing or take a big chance. I thought what Blue Moon did was brilliant last night with it looked like a Miller Lite, Coors Light <laughs> battle ad, and they don't even mention Blue Moon until the very end of it, and it was actually a Blue Moon ad. Did that one work for you, Lee? So here's the thing I thought was fascinating. It was a great surprise ending. It got our attention. A lot of folks... Um, that I tested these with asked at the end said that the Blue Moon was one of the more memorable ones and people remember Blue Moon. The big question I have is as a as a beer drinker, do you want to have Blue Moon owned by the same company that owns those two other beers or do you want it to be that sort of exclusive higher end beer? So I'm not sure if at the end it's going to do anything for them or not, but certainly getting a lot of conversation. Um, and they say all press is good press. So Blue Moon's being talked about more today than probably it has been in quite some time. So I think that's probably going to be to their advantage. But I wonder over the long time if it helps them. In many ways, it reminds me of PepsiCo or Naked Juices. Did it help people to know that Naked Juices was owned by Pepsi or not? Uh, you want to? So it's one of those double-edged swords, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens to sales now. Lee, when you, are, are you testing this in real time? So I did not test it in real time. What I did is uh, we collected some of the, the the most talked about or buzzed ads that were out there, those that got the most mentions on social media and were most discussed. Um, and we sent them out in video format to about 1,500 voters overnight and got their reactions uh, about 4.30 this morning. Chad could absolutely be a part of this if you wanted to test this in real time, and he'll give you a, a live grade on what I, he I, I'm a huge movie trailer guy also, so I'm always interested in what uh, trailers are going to you know hit during Super Bowl ads. Uh, one that I want to bring up that uh, may- maybe I'm completely alone on this. Uh, I'm very confused by a trailer for a movie about the Flash that's all about Batman and Michael Keaton coming back as Batman. And then it was a real, it was almost like the Blue Moon switch at the end of it yeah. when it said the Flash coming to the theater. We saw the Flash twice in the entire trailer and it was all about Batman. Did that one work with your audience? You know, uh, I'm unsure. What I do know is a lot of people were talking about Michael Keaton being back as Batman. 
Um, but the, the other thing that I did notice, and we, we took a look at a couple of things. One is how people reacted to the ad. Two was recall. And the third thing was what was trending on social media. And the flash certainly did get a lot of attention on social media, a lot of search. If you look at the Google search, most search items, that certainly came up. The thing that I think is fascinating is that you're picking up on the, the trailers. A lot of people don't talk about those. Those are usually the overlooked ads, even though what they've done is planted a seed in a lot of people's mind, like, oh, you know what? Super Bowl football season's over. What am I going to do next week? And maybe it's time to watch some movies. Um, are people in your line of, in the marketing and the ad space and uh, the brainstorming rooms, how nervous are people today as they go to work off of yesterday's <laughs> success rate? Oh, I think hugely nervous. This is a, you know, this is the the Super Bowl for for anybody in marketing and advertising. So anybody who had a role in these advertisements, whether it was the music part of it, the production part of it, the copy of it, the advertising agencies, they're all, you know, they're they're on the line right now. And I think a lot of people are saying, I mean, if you look at the ad meter right now, they say that the farmer's dog was the number one advertisement out there. So those folks are probably celebrating. Those that are at the bottom are probably a little bit nervous about what's going to happen when it comes time to renew the agency of record uh, relationships with some of these big companies. Sometimes some of the simpler ads are, are the best or the most memorable. I love the Bud Light spot with Miles Teller uh, dancing. Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Uh, did that one play well to you? It sure did. You know, I think you don't always have to have a Clydesdale. Uh, there to make to make a splash, and that ad certainly uh, did get attention. I think the thing that that's tough for Bud Light though is that they're expected to do great things. So in many ways, what people talk about is all the other ones rather than that one. Um, and I think they did do an excellent job, but I'm not sure it's the one that we're all going to remember uh, next week. How many new advertisers showed up this year? And I know the number last year was very big compared to years prior. Would is it the same thing for Fox this year? So there are 14 advertisers who had never advertised before. Um, and I think that uh, is, is really telling. You know, when you're looking right now at the business landscape, there's a lot of folks who are saying uh, CEOs, CMOs are all concerned about a recession, about spending. I think the fact that there are 14 new entrants is actually a good signal uh, for, for, the, for, for what people are seeing as, as, as possible demand coming down, the, coming down the pipe. And also a lot of those repeat folks that came back is also a really good sign as well. I, yeah. And I, I find it fascinating because you have 14 new companies willing to spend the highest amount possible on a 30 second ad. And some did it more than once throughout the Super Bowl. That's, that's right. I think one of the most surprising spends, right, was by the, by the, by the, the folks who, who brought us the Jesus ads. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a lot of money to get that out there, but they're not the only ones who made this big investment. Um, and so uh, it's going to be very, very telling. I like to say this moment to say which ones we enjoyed the most is really, really important. But what do we remember a month from now? And that is something entirely different. And so one of the ads that didn't get as didn't perform as well on average self was the M&M's ad. But what that company did, and it was uh, I think BBDO was the agency that worked with them. Uh, they extended the life of that ad by weeks. They announced the spokesperson, you know, the spokes candies uh, going away about three weeks ago. Whether you liked it or not, it got tons of attention. They were called woke candies. Everybody was talking about it for weeks. And then what happens is there's an ad. And then, the, of course, the spokes candies come back. Now, if they had just done the ad that they did last night, that, that one spot, it would have been meaningless. But instead, they own the news cycle for weeks before the Super Bowl ads. 
every time we had a segment talking about superloads, they were mentioned. Uh, there was all people getting emotional. And one of the things I thought was so smart about it is my, my grandfather used to say to us before we went to sleep is don't think about pickles before you go to sleep. And what do you do? You think about pickles. So what happened here is don't think about M&Ms for weeks before the Super Bowl. And all, all you do is think about M&Ms. My guess, there were more M&Ms served at this Super Bowl than any other uh, Super Bowl in, in history. Because I think that was a really, really smart strategy that they that they employ there. Well, in another company like that... Yeah, no, I, I, and I didn't know the whole thing before, but I went back and saw there was a long campaign going into it because, again, it worked. I Googled to see what was happening uh, with whatever was <laughs> happening with Maya Rudolph in that ad. Another one I thought worked pretty well that had multiple ads and they spent a lot of money was Uber One uh, with P. Diddy last night. Do you yeah. feel like that one landed? Because I, I want to say it was a two or three commercial arc that ended yeah. with P. Diddy with the songs. I think it was really important for Uber to get a to get a good uh, performance there because obviously it was a huge spend for them. But if you look at um, people's opinion of Uber, it's really, really declined over the years. So they needed to come out with something that was going to give it attention, reason to give it another look. I think they did that. I think it's job well done. Did they need to do it over three spots? I'm not sure. They probably could have done it over one, but I think well executed and it'll be interesting to see how that shows up. And certainly with, uh, with Lyft now having more problems uh, in their in their earnings than ever before. That's probably going to help. Uh, that's going to help Uber as well. Follow Lee on Twitter on social at lh underscore Carter. Always great perspective. We enjoy you on Fox as a contributor. Thank you so much for joining us on Outkick. Thanks so much for having me. So she agrees with you on a lot of the ad space last night, and I yeah. think the the demographic, the target audience, has hit. Um, and I do. I find it surprising. You have fourteen new advertisers paying seven million dollars each to jump in. The, the different thing to me last night about it was I didn't, there wasn't anything that jumped out that I immediately hated of the ads. Some, I, yeah, some were just kind of, uh, but, but yeah, you but it was kind of a yawn, but it wasn't yeah. like, what in the world? You spent all that money on that, right. or that was your big idea. There's always, I feel like, a, a few that you're thinking that that's it. That's what you wanted to do with your ad. I, I didn't, there wasn't one that immediately jumped out other than the trailer for The Flash that didn't have a lot of flash in it. Uh, other than that, I, I thought all of them, you know, even if they were just mediocre, which I, you don't want to go for that, I, I know. Right. But it didn't jump out as bad to me. A few jumped out as better that I asked her about, but none were terrible. Derek Carr expected to now be released by the Raiders. We'll tell you why and which teams make sense. Aaron Rodgers in the headlines, not for the darkness retreat, but for a team reaching out to call the Green Bay Packers for a possible trade. Uh, who will be the Cardinals' next head coach? And speaking of Cardinals, a former Cardinals legend has passed away. We'll pass that news on and react to his career. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
One of the reporters out at the Super Bowl, Andrew Zimmerman, tweets this, Chad. This could have been us. <laughs> uh, before the grace of God. Yes. We've seen many crowded airports in my day. Phoenix today has been insanity. After the golf tournament, you got the football game, some rare rain right now, a record number of people trying to exit town. The pilot just got on and said that their flight is 50th for takeoff. 50th. They're already on the plane trying to leave, and you have to wait on 50 other, 49 others to take off right now. I, I would make a scene. I, I'd be the guy that everybody's on, uh, you know, capturing like, video uh, of. Like, I'm, I'm getting off this plane. You guys can try to stop on, me, uh, but I'm walking right out. Based on trying to chat with Clay about that, I think he's flying out right now. I think. Mm, that is, I mean, that is hell on earth to me. Like, trap me in a box for this long around this many strangers, and we're all basically sitting in each other's laps, and there's nowhere to go for that long. Give me anything to, to give me peace at that point. I, I, don't, I don't ever want to... Give you know, make case. anyone alarmed on a plane or right, be the yeah. one that's making a scene. You but can do anything to get off the plane. If you tell me that we're 50th in line and we boarded the plane and we're already there, I, I would seriously consider walking off the plane saying, I can't, I'm hyperventilating, let me go, and just go find a hotel room. And I'll say, we'll try this again tomorrow. Uh, I will spend the money to stay here again, and we'll try again tomorrow if this is the only option to get out of this city. If you're in the airport, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Right to me, the big struggle is when the airline boards you, and then oh, it's going to be an hour and a half, two hours, three hours before we can take off, and you can't exit the plane. Like <laughs> just delay the flight. That's fine. Things happen. You're not going to be that happy about it. But I can hang out in the airport well, and move around a little bit. Uh, being I trapped think, in that small seat for that long, terrible. Well, delaying the flight's one thing, but you you have other flights arriving, and so you have to deboard. You have to deplane there. And all the you have all the gates packed. So G- give me a rental car. I'll drive from Arizona back to Nashville. That, that's a better option than being stuck on a plane for that long. So Derek Carr has a deadline in his contract where he the, the, the Raiders will have to either release him or trade him by February fifteenth, or forty million dollars is guaranteed. That means they're going to release him because Carr isn't going to accept any trade. Um, that news coming out that that will allow him by being pick. released to pick the team, not necessarily make the same amount of money, but pick the team. And he recently was allowed to visit the New Orleans Saints. And we know the connections between the Jets and with Carr. They just brought in Todd Downing, former Titans offensive coordinator. Tannehill's also making the headlines because he's also connected with Todd Downing and the uncertainty for the, the Titans quarterback position. So you have legitimately three quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, that fit the model of what they're looking for, and all could be available uh, to via trade, but maybe to via free agency, because the Titans can also save $18 million on the cap through Tannehill's release. Is there any chance, I, I don't know that there is, because let's say you're the Saints for Derek Carr, or wherever his preferred destination is, that they could still orchestrate a trade by Derek Carr going to them and saying, here's where I'm going to go if you release me. Mm-hmm. If you want to make sure you get something in return and they make sure that they're ahead of the line, you know, then trade a six-rounder or whatever. You, know, you get something in return via trade, and then you make the deal that way. I, I don't know that there is because 
that would basically require Derek Carr to inform the team that he may go to something that's not true, right? He, you, he would almost have to leave some mystery out there. Well, if you really want me, you can trade for me, but I don't know. Maybe I'll want to go somewhere else. Because if you confirmed the team, this is where I want to be, I don't want to be anywhere else, let's make it happen. Well, if you're the Saints and you know that he has the no-trade clause, you know, there's no, oh, well, just cut him, and then we'll get you or, without having to trade. Well, that, I think that could be part yeah. of it, yeah. Um, and, or any, any team that he's been talking with behind the scenes, because I say him, his, his representatives. There's, uh, if you're the Raiders, I don't know why you haven't allowed them to speak to more teams than what they have to try to get something facilitated. And whenever he said he wasn't going to help by pushing back the deadline, he wants to be released. And so they're going to get nothing in return for their veteran quarterback that they hope to trade. I just think putting a stipulation on what teams you're going to trade with or deal with based on conference or even division, considering it's a guy you don't want, I think that's, that's odd. Get the best deal you can. There's 31 other teams. You don't want them anymore. Don't put any stipulations on it. Go do what's best for your organization, and don't worry about possibly playing that player in a playoff game or regular season game or whatever it may be. Do you think the team trading for Rodgers has to find out what this darkness retreat does for him this week? Yes. I want, I want detailed notes on what <laughs> visions he saw during that. If I'm going to invest, what is it, $60 million? You know, whatever the number could, is. Yeah, that's what it is for, for the Packers. A, for a couple years. Um, yeah, I'm, I want – I mean, if I could, I'd try to smuggle someone into the darkness retreat to watch Aaron Rodgers during those four days of darkness and decide if, if I want the guy or not. If he taps out an hour in versus staying the four days, does that change your mentality? It that? actually makes me want him more. <laughs> right? Like, I, if you're the – Wanting to go through a darkness retreat would be a red flag to signing a franchise quarterback to me personally. That darkness retreat ending after one hour because he can't handle it, I think that's fine. That's a normal human response. And I would probably want to sign Aaron Rodgers even more if so. By the way, Chad, the Jets have Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. They have hired Todd Downing as recently passing fired game as coordinator. passing game coordinator. But Todd Downing had a passing game coordinator here last year. Who's now the offensive coordinator. Right. This game of musical chairs with passing coordinator, offensive coordinator is crazy. So he coached with Carr in 2015 and 16. Well, the Jets seem to be the one. And then he was the coordinator in 17. The Jets are the one team that you can say that they're set up that they're going to get one of them. Yeah, one they're, of the three. They're swinging. They're going to swing for Aaron Rodgers first, but they're going to get one of the three that's available. There's, there's no doubt about it. The Saints seem a lot more you know, locked in. I know because the Packers won't trade to an NFC team as part of it, but they seem to be more in lockstep with Derek Carr is their upgrade that they want. Hit us up on social at Outkick360. Conrad Dobler has passed away at the age of 72. Um, he is known, and he admitted he's the dirtiest player to play the game. He took pride in that. Um, he would tell stories with us on Radio Row over the years, Chad, about how dirty the game was back in the 70s. Um, he, former offensive lineman for, at the time, the St. Louis Cardinals. And, yeah, I mean, he, the rule book was not set up or written by Conrad Dobler. But that's an era, a, a foregone era that uh, guys take pride in that are still alive discussing it. But also an era that I don't think few, I, I, in fact, few players would go and volunteer for this. Well, some of the things that Conrad Dobler talks about, him being the dirtiest of the dirty, I mean, some of his stories, I, I, I look back and think, look at what players made then yeah. as opposed to now. 
And the fact that they were willing to do those things, or much worse, have those things done to them that Conrad Dobler would do to people in the, in the bottom of piles is fascinating to me. I mean, for not a huge amount of money. It was good money, but not a huge amount of money. You could understand putting up with it for the salaries today in the NFL if this was just part of the job. But some of the things he talks about that he was both willing to do and willing to put up with for their salaries then is mind-blowing. Quote, if you're going to break the rules, you've got to have a little style in class. Um, he was, he was, it was always rumored that he, was, he would bite players in the pile. Um, you know, twist your arm back a little bit or whatever. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, oh, here's his quote on if he actually bites uh, uh, said linebacker back in the mid 70s. Always keep your hands inside your chest because it's harder for the refs to see them when they're not in there. If a guy does get past you, grab his face mask, not his jersey, and he goes through how he's going to get away with it. It's the bottom of the pile. If you get stuck down there, uh, if someone stuck his hand in your face mask and puts his fingers in your mouth, what would you do? That's his answer to not biting a player. I mean, I gouge you. That's also the most. Something. That's the most convincing argument for biting someone that I've I've ever heard. I, I heard that whole explanation. I'm like, yeah, I'd bite a guy too if they put their hands in my mouth during a football game. So yeah, I will. Ne- I find myself sympathizing with the biter I, in this situation for the first time ever. I, I'll never forget Kevin Mawai, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, offensive lineman, longtime Jet and Titan. Um, Chad, he told me the story once. We did a feature for a pregame show on what goes on at the bottom of the pile. And we had some fun with it, but he actually took it serious. And he was like, in high school, he goes, I'm dead serious with this. In high school, we got out of a pile and there was a, there was a guy who had a shoestring wrapped around his neck from some other guy that brought it on the field for a little payback on whatever had happened on that previous possession. And I'm thinking... What in the, what happened to Louisiana to you, man? You know, because he was also known for being a little edgy uh, at the bottom of a pile. Was a penalty thrown? Was the guy thrown? No, out? I don't believe so. I just there are things you can get away with. You can grab something here, pull something there, bite something there. If you're on the bottom of a pile, that you might get away with. Someone brought. Yeah, I don't think trying to you know asphyxiate someone with a shoe shoestring <laughs> you could get away from. I feel like any ref could see that. If you went behind someone and tried to strangle them with a yeah. shoestring, I feel like that, that'd get caught. When I, when I say flat. the guys are too nice now, this is not what I mean. I'm not asking for this to return to the NFL. Uh, but, yeah, this is – someone brought a shoestring out there and tried to take out someone. I mean, I, I'm, I'm also picturing in this era that it was, you know, a Bud Kilmer from Varsity Blues-like coach on the sideline, maybe yeah. an assistant, that ordered the hit. <laughs> That Here, hand of the this. shoestring. Here, I did this back in my day. Go attack this guy <laughs> and strangle him with this shoestring because he did that to you. This is the only response. This is how a normal person responds in a football game. You're going to choke that guy out on this next play. Ready? One, two, three, hut. Let's you, go. You let him do what to you? Yeah. I mean, Use wow. this. Unbelievable. The Cardinals are eyeing Jonathan Gannon as their next head coach. The Eagles could be without both of their coordinators by the time we take the air tomorrow. Colts are expected to hire Shane Steichen, and you've got Jonathan Gannon uh, being rumored in Arizona. And over the past few weeks, it was thought he was going to be returning as the defensive coordinator there. But he's expected to interview today, staying there to interview today, and chances are, if they're waiting this long to chat with him, um, he may not be leaving. Um, Not good for the Eagles, but uh, also great for the Eagles that now Nick Sirianni is going to have this coaching tree expand. It did not hurt Sean McVay 
when these things happen. That's so right. I think that's good news for him because it's good news of who he can hire next. The hiring pool, the talent pool for those jobs just got a lot better, bigger because you've got not one but two coordinators possibly moving on to be head coaches in the league. That's great news if you're Nick Sirianni and you're trying to, to hire replacements for those guys. Quick aside on Sirianni, how cool was it when he had tears streaming down during the National Anthem yeah. last night when Chris Stapleton was singing the National Anthem? I thought that was awesome. And I saw the single tear at mm-hmm. first. It almost looked fake. It was so perfect, and they stayed with him, and it was just tears streaming as he was there at the Super Bowl standing on the sideline during the National Anthem. I think everything kind of hit at once. For a guy who's always emotional with his reactions on the sideline to begin with, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's the moment. I think that's, for me, if you have an interview with somebody, you're like, okay, when does it actually hit you the week of? Because you're so disconnected from everything going on at the Super Bowl if you're a player or coach. Um, you're either at the team facility, the host site team facility, in this case, the Arizona Cardinals and their practice spot, or you're at what was it, Arizona State was the yeah, other spot. Yeah, the other one. Yep. And you're so you're you're shuttled in and out, and you don't have much going on other than preparing for the game that week. They're trying to keep it as normal as possible. I, the warm-ups and everything, there's a buzz in the stadium. I think the the national anthem is when the players, coaches, everyone involved with those organizations. I think that's really where it sets in, where you're ready to run through a brick wall, break down the door like a banshee, as Brian Billick would say. And it, it, I watched that also, and I thought, this is Nick Sirianni's first time. Mm. It, I, Andy Reid didn't respond that way. Patrick Mahomes looked weirdly normal, you know, not, not affected by it in his third Super Bowl also. Not that it was a disadvantage to him, but I, I, just, I just thought this is the look of a guy who's, who's made it there to the mountaintop of that game for the first yeah, time yeah. after a lot of hard work. And it was really cool to see. I mean, it was a, if you're a, a, a patriot at all, you know, and you, you don't get emotional a little bit at times during the national anthem, I think most people would. But to see that just genuine, honest response to that song in that moment, that it, it moved me. It was really cool to see. And Stapleton was awesome. He was great. That was the musical highlight of the night to me. Babyface was good. I know uh, Dan good. Dockage brought him up also, but uh, his portion of it was really good too. Um, but yes, we knew Stapleton would crush did you, the national anthem. He it delivered. Did you see the reaction from those that were like analyzing the over under on how long it would take him? Yeah, did it go over under? I under, didn't see under. So the pace at first was like the first thirty seconds. His pace was going to go over, and then he it sped up, and he had uh, he got in at two o two. The over under was two o five. It was um, it was great. Yeah, it, it was it was really well done. But the uh, we talked about last week, though, about how the nerves cause some singers to go slower than mm-hmm. they normally yeah. would. Others speed it up as they start going because it's always going to be a different time than what you practiced when you got out there. Uh, he certainly didn't seem nervous at all. Yeah, it, it was it was good. And I'll, I'll say it again. For, for the Super Bowl, th- there's never too much. You know, the four-and-a-half-hour pregame, I'll probably watch two, three hours of it leading up to the Super Bowl. Every commercial – Every pregame deal that goes on, not everything hits, but I'm never going to blame on a day to celebrate excess in America. I'm never going to blame a network or blame a company or blame a league for going bigger and bigger and bigger. Give me more. And there's nothing that give me compares more. to it. Yes, give, give me more. This is, this is what we're here to do. We're here to eat as much as possible. 
Uh, we're here to watch this game, but we're also here to watch the spectacle yeah. around the I mean, game for an entire day. The NFL has a game where a company will pay $7 million to thank the country of Canada. Yeah. Now, just put the, that's yeah. how big it is. NFL does a lot of things right and does it well, especially on Super Bowl Sunday. I thought their ad was dumb for the first time ever. I did not like it. The girl that's the, oh, the flag, football. flag football thing, I just, it, it missed to me. I know what they're trying to go for. I don't even think they successfully hit what they were trying to hit. Because the NFL star power hour. wasn't big? Like The last few ads have had Hall was, of Famers was, and you've had Dion and clunky. It was awkward to start with what was trying to look like a live interview with Aaron Andrews, yeah. which I don't think it was. And then right. maybe it was, but she's running out of the stadium. And then I don't think they got the right star power in it. You know, those are in, some NFL stars, but they had to add the first one that I, I can remember really. That kid there, ran in the stadium, of them. I thought. There's two of them that. Um, what? Remember that the, the kid that oh, ran yeah, the in the kid running the ball. Yeah, that one was cool. But two that really stuck out. One was like in the 90s, early 2000s, where it was all about the hope of every other team that wasn't in the game for the next season when the season starts tomorrow. And they were singing something was cool. But the one where they're at the banquet and there's the fumble and it's everyone in that room. And that was, the, that was the NFL. That was a reunion year. Right. But I mean, it's all the Hall of Famers past all the, the top stars of the day were in it. This one just missed. If I'm ever seeing a football player in one of these ads and I'm, I'm having a, on two or three saying, I'm not sure who that is. Let me Google it before I recognize in the flash who it is. That's a miss to me. I thought they missed for the first time in a long time on that commercial. Hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. Coming up, teams with two Super Bowl wins and three appearances in four years. Where do the Chiefs rank in terms of the other combos we're going to mention with head coach, with quarterback, and organization? That's next on Outkick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Chad, teams with two Super Bowl wins and three appearances over four years with the same coach and quarterback. So two the tandem. And two and three, uh, certainly the Patriots. Yes. Have pulled off They've done it feet. twice. Uh, the Steelers nope. with Chuck Knoll and Terry Bradshaw? No. Nope. There's only one other franchise uh, to do it. Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, 49ers? I would 49ers. Have that, no. The Miami Dolphins. Wow, yeah, they won back-to-back. And, back. Yeah. and now Mahomes and Reed. That's it. Those are the tandems. So to your question earlier about, hey, uh, how much longer does Andy Reid have? Well, they're already in the same company. They need to do it again in order to reach Belichick Brady status. I, I said earlier, I thought Andy Reid was 68. You corrected and said he's 64. Uh, Davey, our producer, sent me a text that John Travolta is 68. <laughs> so that's what I was thinking about from the ad last night. John Travolta with no hair 
it's, uh, it's will always al- alarm me. Every time that yeah. I see it, uh, Angie turned to me last night watching and said, what do you think it's like when you're John Travolta and you lose all your hair? Like that's got to be a very jarring thing for him because one of the things he's known for was great hair throughout his career. Uh, I think he wore a wig for a while though. I, I, right. That was my response. I'm pretty sure that like I, there was a lot of. It's not like it didn't just abruptly happen. I think it's been happening for like 30 years, and for a long time he's worn a wig in different roles that he's had. So I, I don't. I don't think this is something new. But yeah, every time I see it, it yeah, it doesn't look like the same guy. It it gets to me. You know, it really, it reminds me, Hutton, that we're all mortal. You know, if the guy that danced the way John Travolta can dance can lose his hair, anything had happened to all of us in any, at any time, any day. So to cherish the time that we have, that's what that ad reminded me. From John Travolta at 68. John Travolta bald reminds me we need to cherish the life that we have and the time that we have together. That's what we need to do. What a message. You're welcome. Chad, we, we've known. What was better? My, what was more touching, my message or the Disney 100 ad last night? I think my message, your message. may have been even more touching yeah, your to message. everyone. We've known for a while that uh, the halftime performers do not get paid. Um, they get paid in publicity. Well, and it'll all tie into why Rihanna was, is doing the Super Bowl halftime show this year. Uh, so she's already gained a million and a half Instagram followers in less than 24 hours. Uh, her searches for her uh, beauty line... Fenty, I believe, is what it's called. It's up 833%. Haley was nodding to that one. She worked that into her halftime performance. And Apple TV Plus, they sponsored, they know the title sponsor of the halftime show. They have her under contract for a multi million dollar deal in a documentary. Apple Music sponsors. So oh, that, well, Apple, that's why, Apple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and she's going to be on Apple TV Plus now. It's all the same. But yeah, she, she definitely got something from them, too. So she's. She's making bank, and she, I mean, she looked great, but you have, like, the, the, everyone dancing around in white, like, like Oompa Loompa marshmallows. It wasn't just the white, too. You're right. It was the size of the outfit that, again, like John Travolta bald, was very jarring throughout the entire thing. The, the coolest part of the production was the, 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 the stage leveling out at different times yeah. and going to different heights and being staggered at times was, was really cool. Uh, Jay Wayne in our YouTube chat says, there was nothing positive about the M&M spokespeople. I literally stopped eating them after decades as my favorite candy once they went woke. Not all press is good press, asked Disney. I did not know any controversy with M&M. And I'm firmly convinced after this ad that any controversy was made up as part of this ad campaign. Oh, of course it was. It was a weeks-long campaign where they acted like but, they were getting rid of something. But we had the and then they didn't do it. We had it, the so. tweet though on the other company that had like they were joking around about removing. We just realized our mascot doesn't have pants; is not wearing pants. Yeah, or something. it was the Mr. Peanut, right? It was Mr. Peanut, the roast of Mr. I thought Peanut. They, no, I'm not talking about last night. I'm talking about on the show like weeks ago. We brought this up where someone was trolling Eminem for doing exactly what they pulled off last night. I don't even know what the Eminem controversy was, but I'm telling you, it was all fabricated, and it's fake. I just say that to tell Jay Wayne, you you can keep eating your favorite candy. <laughs> you don't have to stop. It was just a made Jay up Wayne, thing. How much, how much they weight have you lost? They didn't really go. I don't think they really went woke, like he said. I think I think it was all just a made up controversy to make fun of cancel culture and then bring it back for the Super Bowl. They're back. And it's it's back. So you can be back. You can keep eating your favorite candy. Don't stop. 
pretty sure it was the A and W mascot. That yeah, it's like a polar bear. But uh, didn't the something happen to Mr. Peanut too? When they, well, were they killed him? off Mr. Peanut in a previous Super Bowl ad, and then yeah. they brought him back in the roast last night. We need to get Lee back on to uh, talk to us about this. You know what happens when it do- the the company doesn't connect uh-huh. with the ad? Because I'm I'm still asking all these questions about what was going on. That's why I was so confused. I didn't know that there was some controversy around Eminem. Well, there's not anymore. Look, there are things I know, and there are things I don't know. I didn't know that was a thing. So if you were following the story online, it really resonated with you last night. For everyone else, probably not. Something else that I, I noticed was the Mick Ultra Caddyshack throwback. There were a lot of media marketing people asking how much of America actually got that reference. That they thought it was a bad move because so, much, so many people watching the have no reference? clue what Caddyshack is. Oh, that's our demo. And have no, have no clue about it, that young Americans are not going to know what that is. Yeah, but the... Or anything going on with The it. guys that are on their second and third contracts at work, uh, like us, know exactly what Caddyshack is. Yeah. So they're selling to them. That's my guess. That's what I you're mean, saying. Yeah. Yeah, and they're also like uh, Jay Wayne. They're not eating peanuts and they need Mick Ultra instead of uh, well, Little Well, Jay Butt Wayne heavy. can go back to M&M's is what I'm saying. I, I, I just wanted to tell him, to reassure him, this was all a work. This was like a WWE promotion. There was no controversy. Someone talked about something, and they acted like they canceled it. They never did. It was a weeks-long work. And then the it's commercial ends and Jericho arrives? Yeah, if it was real, they wouldn't have had a huge Super Bowl commercial produced about them coming back. No, we're back, actually. <laughs> Again, it never happened. And this is all over their mascot, not the actual candy. I don't know. Yeah, Again, it is. I don't, like I, don't, I don't know. I can, I can vouch for the fact that M&Ms didn't leave the shelves. I, look, I've loaded up on them recently. When I think woke, I, I, don't, I don't think M&M's. It's not the first one that comes to mind. So, Jay Wayne, enjoy your M&M's. You don't have to, you don't have to cut them out. I promise. Back at it tomorrow. A lot to discuss off of the Super Bowl. Preview in the offseason, plus Cynthia Freeland will join us. And Shane Beamer of South Carolina.